pain, which is now gone. I am mostly recovered from that physical pain and I'm in a right frame of mind. Right now we're experiencing historic pessimism. We're seeing Jeff Bezos coming out and saying, hey, uh, markets teach lessons. Don't underestimate the bullishness of the market. Things change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, it's not just rhetoric that leads to this, uh, or leads me to believe that we are experiencing historic pessimism. It's actually in the numbers. You can see this in the numbers. Very sentiment indicators are showing this, but in my opinion, more importantly, the percentage of stocks down 50, 75%, and 90% are only currently down that much, are only surpassed in the last 20 plus years by uh, the dot-com bubble and by the 08-09 recession. Not even, at least for 75 and 90%. There are currently more stocks down 75% and 90% than there were in March 2020. So that seems pretty important to me because I don't think we're in a period like March 2020, like 0809, or like the dot-com bubble. I'm not saying that economic growth is going to continue. We know that's not the case. We know there was negative Q1 GDP, but I don't think that means that we have to have a market reaction like those periods. This is the third worst start to the year in history. In history, in the last hundred or so years. Each of those times, believe it or not, the market actually finished the year between now and the close of the year up. So I think it's safe to assume this is a pretty reasonable entry point. I don't know if today was the bottom. Obviously that was incredibly difficult. Today was probably the most single most volatile day I've ever experienced with the stock being up and down so many times, I didn't count how many times, but it was quite a lot, especially if you include the pre-market, which everyone was looking at today after the Berkshire meeting and after Friday's market. So it felt like it was just one continuous market, quite volatile. Anyways, historic downside in reality, in the amount of stocks that are down, and in terms of expectations, sentiment, overall behavior. Why do I not think this period is like the past crashes? Why are we not in for some massive change? Well, I don't think there's necessarily a break or a flaw in the economy. And yes, I understand why someone might say that's inflation, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's go to the past systems or back past major crashes. March of 2020. What happened there? There was a fundamental fear and change of how the economy and the world was going to be and just an absolute not knowing this. Credit markets froze. There were people who were not willing to put money on the line. The Fed had to step in. The government had to step in. And once you saw that market function return to normalcy, we're not talking about expectations. We're not talking about, you know, where valuations are going to be or price to earnings multiples or, you know, next quarter's earnings, any of that. We're not talking about any of that. Just simply when the market machine was able to function, when it was a well-oiled machine, when, the, when you refilled the oil, then it allowed the market to rally. In 08, we had a similar phenomenon. We had a messing with the gears, messing with the calibration of the actual engine itself. There were people who were offering debt and financing an economy 
that just simply didn't make sense. It just wasn't allowed to happen. It was not proper risk and pricing and the market had to go through a massive you know, event because there were people who weren't able to pay debts and the market was priced as if they could pay debts and that simply just wasn't the case. They were, it was manipulated. There was a manipulated market and problems happened there. It was actually misdone. It was misdone. The tensioner on the pulley was too tight or too loose. The engine was not properly built. And finally, we had the dot-com bubble. And it was just simply a very different kind of engine. This was a four-cylinder base Honda engine with a Ferrari supercharger modified onto it. So the engine, you turn the engine on, it'll move, it'll move, but you, you give it too much gas and you've got that supercharger on there, it's pulling all that power, all of a sudden, you're gonna have that supercharger break. And that's what happened in the dot-com bubble. You had too strong of a supercharger and too immature of a tech market. The tech market is significantly more mature and cash flow based today than it was then. So how do you, what's my analogy for today's market? My analogy for today's market is we went for an oil change, standard stuff, just simple oil change. And the person who did the oil change put a little too much oil in the engine and that can cause some serious problems. And we're noticing it, the engine lights on. We don't wanna keep going, we don't wanna keep going. So what do we do? We pull over, we let the engine chill for a sec, we go back and we take some of the oil out. But we saved the engine, we saved the car. This is what I'm th I think is happening. There was potential for a serious catastrophic event. If the Fed decided to not step in and continue to print endlessly, continue to expand the balance sheet endlessly, saw inflation, nothing was happening, yeah, we would hit a breaking point. In the dot-com bubble, nobody, there's no break. People just kept extrapolating the future. You know, 708, there was no break until there was a break. Yes, we're experiencing inflation now, but we're also experiencing record large consumer balance sheets, record large corporate balance sheets, no default risk occurring. There's no, none of that. Wages are up. So it's almost, earnings are up. So it's almost as if it was just a matter of accounting, just a matter of adjusting the numbers. I'm not trying to downplay inflation. I'm not trying to say people aren't hurting because of it. What I'm trying to say is inflation, which is something that happens every year, but is happening a little stronger than it typically does, is very different than the past three crises we've experienced over the last 20 years. I don't think what we're experiencing now can be categorized as the same. The Fed is hiking rates. That should have an effect. I'm not saying the market needs to go to new highs. I don't think the market deserves to be at new highs. Those, new, those previous highs, if you've been watching this channel, you know those highs were too expensive in my opinion. It's the way it is. I'm not expecting a massive rally. I'm not saying the market is, you know, gonna continue the same uptrend. What I'm saying is the downside is not catastrophic. However, the historic proportions of the most recent sell-off 
show us that the market is acting and predicting that it is. And I think that's incorrect. So we have to play it as if that's incorrect, which means buy the dip a little bit. You know, assume this could be a bottom and prepare for some downside. You always got to hedge your risk, prepare for being wrong. But I think, as I said last week, as a week from last Friday, we started buying the dip. We're continuing to do that. I've entered into margin. I haven't entered into margin more than, you know, minuscule amounts for a couple days in my entire life investing for clients. However, now I'm at about, I've taken about a 5% margin loan in my left skewed investment management portfolio. So I think this is a good level to buy. I'm doing so. I'm not saying that the market is going to new highs. I think we can go sideways a little bit. I think that's an appropriate thing. We've got some downward forces. We've got some upward forces. Most important, we don't have any catastrophic downward forces. There's nothing really propelling us down, but there's plenty of good valuations. Plenty of good valuations. I mean, I'm not even talking about the 10X drug companies anymore. A company like Disney's at like pre-pandemic levels or below even pre-pandemic levels. Intel has been flat for five years. Obviously that's a debatable case, but it makes a tremendous amount of money. It's been flat for five years. It takes nine years to earn as much as its valuation. It's done that while it's been flat. So, or it's, you know, it's five of those nine years. I obviously don't have that last five years data offhand, but I don't think the company is, you know, earning significantly less. So, and they're earning actually quite good money, in my opinion. That's my opinion about the stock. So I have it. Um, I have Disney. I have Editas. Love it here. It was a tremendous day today for that company. And I'm, I don't want to get all giddy. I don't want to say I'm, you know, super optimistic. But I think the super pessimism is incorrect. Um, you know, people are pointing to people spending less money on Amazon. Well... They bought all their stuff. They bought their massagers. They bought, you know, all their stay-at-home stuff. Expedia had phenomenal earnings. Avis just had phenomenal earnings. Airlines apparently having phenomenal earnings. Hotel companies saying they're doing phenomenally. So people are just spending money on a little bit of a different thing. The economy is reopening. People are going back to living life. I'm cool with that. I don't want to be sitting at home buying Amazon products all day on my freaking ass. Okay. They, they suck it up, Amazon, big enough. You'll make plenty of money. You're still gonna make money. You can take a dip. Those companies can take a dip. They don't need to be at record earnings every single quarter back to back. They are massive businesses. They can go sideways. They can go sideways. Let those guys go sideways. They're gonna be okay with that. Sure, obviously they wanna grow. Obviously they wanna be as gluttonous as can be, but they can go sideways. That's totally cool in my opinion. They can continue producing the same products, Add some new products possibly, but doing a phenomenal job of what they're doing and go sideways. They don't need to crash. They don't need to go to, you know, no foreseeable downside. People are acting as if Amazon is just going to go down and go down and go down. It's had a, it's had a revaluation. Why can't it just stay at this valuation? Why does it need to go up or down? Why can't it just go sideways? Let's let these companies go sideways. Let's chill out. Let's calm down. Let's buy the bargains. Let's not get too over-exuberant, but let's definitely not stick with this over-pessimism. Let's just stick with good values, good prices, good companies, ones that can grow, ones that aren't going to grow but are going to pay dividends, stay whatever, 
be a good place to park money. When inflation happens, we can get some accounting adjustment. Let's do these kinds of things. Let's be rational. And I think the irrationality right now is existing on the downside. It's unbelievably prevalent. We were very bearish two weeks ago, but it's gotten so negative that we've had to adjust. And that's what we're doing. We're continuing to buy and we are in margin. First time ever today. Did that with Activision Blizzard and Carvana. Mark Rowan, very intelligent dude. He said what he said about Carvana this morning. I've used the product, took a look at the market cap, took a look at the revenue, and decided, you know what? One year's revenue is higher than the market cap. He's buying the debt. They're getting the money they need. I'll be an equity holder. We'll see what happens. That's today's video. And until next time, peace out.